You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Moby Grape's self-titled album, Moby Grape. In the room, I have Rob, Ben, and Adam. Mm -hmm. Moby Grape is the self-titled debut album by the San Francisco rock band of the same name. It was released uh, June 6, 1967 on Columbia Records. The producer was David Robinson, and the genre is psychedelic rock. And from All Music Review, Mark Deming... Moby Grape's career was a long, sad series of minor disasters in which nearly anything that could have gone wrong did. Poor handling by their record company, a variety of legal problems, a truly regrettable deal with their manager, creative and personal differences among the bandmates, and the tragic breakdown of guitarist and songwriter Skip Spence. But their self-titled debut album was their one moment of unqualified triumph. Moby Grape is one of the finest albums to come out of the San Francisco psychedelic scene, brimming with great songs and fresh ideas while blessedly avoiding the pitfalls of their peers. No long, unfocused jams, no self-indulgent philosophy, and no attempts to sonically recreate the sound of an acid trip. Instead, Moby Grape built their sound around the brilliantly interwoven guitar work of Jerry Miller, Peter Lewis, and Skip Spence. As songwriters, Moby Grape blended straight-ahead rock and roll, smart pop, blues, country, and folk accents into a flavorful brew surrounding them without drowning in it. Moby Grape is as refreshing today as it was upon its first release, and if fate prevented the group from making a follow-up that was consistently strong, for one brief shining moment, Moby Grape proved to the world they were one of America's great bands. All right, what do we think of self-titled Moby Grape? Before these guys shit on it. Because <laughs> I can see their well, faces. Well, no, I'm just laughing at Rob's reaction, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, this, was, this was my introduction to the band and the album. I, I, I'd heard the name before, but I'd never heard them before. And my take was pretty actually similar to what you said. I, I, I enjoyed it, and I thought that... When I, I critiqued uh, a few episodes ago. I was critiquing Country Joe and the Fish for... Just being that psychedelic band for the sake of being a psychedelic band. Yeah. I said they probably sounded just like the band across the hall from them and their commune. I think Moby Grape, this record, it sounds like that seven uh, that 1967 San Francisco scene, but I think they're doing things on here to at least elevate it above the peers of, of the time a little bit. I thought there's some good songwriting. I thought there's some cool harmonies. That's... That's my take. Go for it, Rob. Oh, I was gonna say I think I'm more. I was. I was. I'll go next if it's all right. Because oh, I think I'm more in the middle, based on what Rob's reaction. I when I heard the introduction, I immediately thought opposite of what I. My impression. My impression is it sounds really dated, really generic. Um, even if like I, even if I don't think it's terrible, 
Um, I, I don't think it... Um, it does not stand out to me as, like, a unique voice in any way. Um, but everybody's obviously super competent. Like, we got players here. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people doing this voice at this time. Um, my first impression was, this sounds like less exciting Eric Burden and War, the project that they did together, which is, like, out there and, like, still challenging to me. And this just feels like like, safe psychedelica to me. And yeah, it, 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 let's all be kind. Let, let, let's do you don't have to be, No, dude. no, no, no. I, I'm, I, I'm curious as to the person who wrote this uh, intro. I don't think it was you, Birch. Was no, it you? No, no. Are you sure? All music. Okay. Uh, well, I, I don't know if... When did they review this? Was it like uh, back? recently? So like, I mean, for the website. Yeah. Okay, so like, I I, I just I just don't know what would have happened between <laughs> that year and now that would make my ears go, well, this isn't very fresh anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand uh, why someone would be drawn to this music. It's not necessarily like, early offensive, but. It, it's milk toast. It's not, you know, it's not exciting to me. Um, and yeah, it, it, the idea that like this is elevating the San Francisco sound, like that really didn't take much. <laughs> and this isn't that much better than the other shit we've been listening to uh, from the Summer of Love. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't categorically I'm, dislike the San Francisco sound by any means. And I don't. Uh, I'm speaking specifically to the albums we've had to we've endure. We've had some fatigue. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I've been to a couple of the episodes with it, and I and I definitely feel fatigue when I hear this record. I mean, that's the number one thing. And I, and we're only listening to the best ones, and we're skipping all the chaff, you know, according to the guide. Yeah. And I still feel fatigue, which I think counts for something, you know. Like, sure. Like I, my ears heard it, and I went. Oh. And yeah, Chris like, Fallen. The thing I do like about it is it does have kind of that focused rock element to it. You know, it's kind of like Rolling Stones sounding or something that they got three guitar players and they're they're doing some tight harmonies and some interesting stuff. It, yeah, I don't think that it sounds that, you know, still sounds that fresh or whatever. But yeah, you, you guys are, are hitting it right yeah, on the head for the me. It doesn't we're... feel amazing, but it it's not offensive at all. No, I mean, it's it's actually some of the songs are pretty interesting, mm-hmm. and I feel like this might be one of the albums for me that is like time and place, and it probably inspired a lot of bands that I I, I like, but be, you know, better. I thought Rounder was a totally rad track, assuming that that's on the list because Spotify was being a real jerk when I was trying to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Rounder's not on it. No, the instrumental man no. that, that that jam ripped. The, the song that we're listening to in our headphones right now, Omaha. Yeah. This reminds me of, like, MC5 almost. This song I like more, for sure. I was going to make a same comment. And, and there's, it's cool. There's, like, all three guitar players. They're all playing lead. <laughs> but they're all playing, like, different lines. And it's almost like they're, they're like, button heads, but, like, in a cool way. Yeah. Like, it's, like, three... I completely agree. Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's almost, like, wall of sound guitar lead.
there's yeah, there's moments on it. I think overall, it, uh, it's just not for me. But like, uh, there was a moment. I I wish I could remember which song it was because I wasn't checking the tracks. But there's definitely a song that, uh, as we were listening to it uh, on the drive yesterday, Sarah said, oh, "This song reminds me of that song from." The producers when there's like the crazy like San Francisco guy who's like on the psychedelics <laughs> and he does this like it's just it's like a mockery of <laughs> it's it's the producers making a joke of, of the San Francisco music scene yeah. she's yeah. like this sounds like exactly like that to me and and it was interesting because you know this one of the things they're probably mocking in that movie you know and yeah. or at least the vibe and I couldn't disagree I, I just think like if you're gonna push that element I just want more hmm. it's just too it's too in the middle it's hmm but I mean but maybe is that because that we just there weren't any you know we just don't have any standout track we do have some standout tracks like Omaha but we don't have anything that we could really grasp grasp onto like a you know like Rolling Stones or I'm just trying to think of some of those like other, a single, like yeah. like those singles that we've heard, you know, dozen times, you know, to sort of warm us up to the group. You mean exactly? Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, some of these songs are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and if they were on a you know a mix or something like that on the radio show or something, I, I would dig it. But it's yeah, it, just not super warm. What label was this released on? Was it Columbia? Yeah. So Columbia released. All five singles at the same time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Pick your favorite. Because, you because fuck these guys. You know? yeah, make your own pizza. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, like, one of the, like, the, uh, Birch kind of mentioned just like a perfect storm of bad things happening to the band. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely their relationship with their manager was not helping anyone but the manager. But, yeah, so, so it's, their, it's their their debut album, and all five of their songs that are considered good enough to be on the radio is all released at the same day. They're competing against each other, and for and, people to recognize. Presumably. Yeah, they're competing against each other. They're not getting any kind of that brand recognition because you know the, one thing you can say about this record, uh, some of these songs they've got like they're trying some different styles of music in them, and. Then like the opinion of like like the local scene and their peers was like oh man this band's like way overhyped way overexposed you know like this that must be some like label darling or whatever because like oh you got five songs on the radio yesterday that you, yesterday you weren't anyone so it just it didn't help them in any facet or right. any form no well it's, yeah I mean like especially like back at the time when you know they're spinning. You know, singles still. I mean, albums are now at this point uh, common, but like, you still are trying to get a like a Billboard, like a chart appearance. Mm -hmm. You put five songs on. You meet. You're cannibalizing your, like you said, your own mm -hmm. thing. So it's like no, none of those songs is gonna chart. Yeah. If they're all out there at the same time, that's like, why they do it the way they do it. You know. Omaha, that rocking one. Uh, it did the best. Yeah. And it like scratch the chart yeah that's what i mean is that yeah. like because not ever that's the thing is when there's a reason that a label or a management team or whatever or the even the band in rare cases chooses a single it's because they're telling people this is the one that you should play and sometimes the dj plays the one they want to play but the majority of the time they go with the suggested track 
because the goal is if you want to help the band, you got to put the numbers up. You got to post those numbers. <laughs> you know, show a united front. Exactly. United we are backing front. this song. Yes. Yeah. Then maybe if <laughs> enough DJs say that they're also like this song, yeah. let's try that one next. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. I can't, I, it, I, I don't know of uh, a record label, Columbia or otherwise, ever doing that historically again for any other, or to any other. I've just never heard of Not at the same time, no. I mean, it always is staggered. Is there a releases. deeper story about that? Uh, about them releasing all the, all the singles? Um, From what I read, it sounded like they were like, well, let's roll the dice. No. You know? <laughs> let's see what they're like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that is, someone was just not, familiar with how to how to market it Jeez. it was a marketing stunt yeah yeah well, that's that's, that's all it says no, that, <laughs> so uh before this record came out so uh S- skip spence like uh, if you could if you could say there is a like a front person or creative force yeah. behind this ensemble it'd be skip spence who was originally a member of jefferson airplane mm-hmm. and uh, Jefferson Airplane kind of dismissed him, and Jefferson Airplane's manager kind of encouraged Skip. He, he's like, hey, put together another band, have them do this Jefferson Airplane thing, and I'll just like, I'll just uh, manage you guys too. So Skip puts this band together, which, you know, I'm no huge Jefferson Airplane fan. I actually think that he put together a better group. But uh, before this record How came out... You? They, I do, I'm, I'm not dissing Starship. <laughs> I'll diss Starship all day. <laughs> you're not quite knee deep. <laughs> you're you're not Jane. quite knee deep in the hoopla. All right. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Blues, I guess it's Before the record came out, uh, the 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 manager I, I, I'm spacing on his name right now, Max something. He was uh, supporting them financially and like yeah. paying some of the rents and stuff. And then when this album came out, basically they signed their life away yeah. to him because they were in debt to him. Yeah, Matthew Katz. Matthew Katz. Yeah, he he owns that guy. He owns yeah. the band name. He owns everything about the band. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. They never. They never had a, a a a ghost of a chance. Yeah. Basically, it's. I think it's one of the great tales of how a band signed their entire you know life away almost to mm-hmm. to a shady, shady individual and then just. Yeah. It, this Matthew Katz, he, he comes up again in uh, in the late '90s. He's one of the big voices against Napster. Of course, <laughs> because of course he was. <laughs> Yeah, it's or uh, it was said that Neil Young was in the room mm-hmm. when the deal went down, and he just put his head down and was playing guitar, and he just was like, "I'm not gonna say anything." I'm staying out of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the his manager, and then the, he sold the rights to, I believe it was uh, someone at the label, and they had a little inside deal, and they basically just screwed the band over. Yeah, one hundred percent didn't help too that. Uh, uh, the members uh, 
Skip Spence was kind of schizophrenic or mm-hmm. di- diagnosed with schizophrenia. This feels like one of those bands, kind of like Bus- Buffalo Springfield, that we had all these songwriters in the same room, and so you know they put put together a pretty pretty solid album, mm-hmm. but nothing just took off. You right. know, nothing's really blowing yeah. anybody's hair back. And yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, it's so weird about it is it's like it's not bad. It's yeah. like there's it's like I think that they. They've got some. They got some vibe. They've got some stuff going on. It's just like, there. There might be a group that like. Maybe later they would have written some stuff that would have been a little more like, their own, like the personalities that they're sort of like, testing here, mm-hmm. and and, that's, I just feel like I'm hearing like very samey kind of sounding stuff that are that each song is is like a little similar to something else from the era. They just don't have like their own distinct identity yet. That's yeah. maybe that's maybe my my criticism. Like, and they'll never get it. I and that's a shame though because like it is like like we said it's a very like competent. There's like all these singers, you know, mm-hmm. three guitar players that can that can play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I don't think it's there, like as a complete album yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. not. I'd buy it if I saw it at the right. Yeah. Price. So how do we feel about it? We usually do a positive. We like it. I feel a positive neutral about this or one. negative. I would pay up to ten dollars for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. American. American. In the nineteen sixty-seven. No, in twenty eighteen, decent copy in a dusty bin. A dusty bin. Dusty bin. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sort of. I think neutral, but like leaning towards eh. like I just I don't think this is one of the greatest records that I need to hear by any means I guess hmm. uh, I don't think it like like I would like I would just rather put on something a little more exciting or I don't know yeah I think I'm with you if I'm, I'm honest a, like I think I, I'm going on the neutral I, I don't hate well. it because I so I don't yeah. want to put it as a, a negative no, but no. I certainly don't care about it and no, that's what, that's what I wrote pretty, down right here. Pretty far. My, the end of it was like, I don't hate it, <laughs> but that's not a glowing endorsement by yeah, any stretch of the no. imagination. It's hard though and, to like. And what I've kind of, what I, the way I've kind of thought about the positive, negative, neutral, or, or whatever is neutral is like I'm fine. Uh, negative is if I would tell a friend like, do not, don't even bother with this, okay. or positive like, right. yeah, I'll recommend it or something. Yeah. Um, the way that I had been thinking about the but, positive, neutral, yeah. negative was n- not not negative as in there's something better that should have been in this book. Okay. Yeah. Not I was missing. Rec- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What what could have been in its place? Yeah, to- kind totally. of my thoughts on it. So I, I'm I gonna go. If I'm, I, I guess yeah. If I'm not gonna give a glowing endorsement for it, like I'm, I'm gonna say it doesn't really belong in in the book in my brain. So um, so yeah, negative. My bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Moby Grape? Nah. Um, the album peaked at number 24 on the Billboard 200 charts. That's decent. In 67. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a flop or didn't um it, it did pretty well on the on the charts. Hmm. It was purple and swims. <laughs> uh Moby Grape. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <clears throat> next time we'll be talking about love de capo all right thanks y'all <laughs>